Good morning, church family. We are going to take this opportunity to dive back into God's Word once again, continue on in our series through the book of Acts called Church on the Move. And we're going to look this morning at Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. So give yourself a pat on the back. You've made it through the first 19 chapters of the book of Acts, so we are well more than halfway through, and uh, we've got just about eight or nine chapters left to go, and uh, we'll be finished up with the book of Acts. But as we dive in this morning to Acts chapter 20, I want you to notice as I read through the text, there's going to be a lot of names and some difficult names. There's going to be a lot of places geographically and some difficult names with that as well. I don't want you to get bogged down into those items. I want you to focus in on what we see going on in the text, and that is encouragement being a key factor of the body of Christ gathering together. And so we're going to interact with Paul once again as he is getting ready to make his journey down to Jerusalem. Paul's got a couple of things he's trying to check the boxes for. One is to go back into these cities where he has helped plant churches and shared the gospel for the very first time and encourage those believers, meet with them as they gather together as a corporate body of believers, and then to encourage them to give in support of the church in Jerusalem that it was enduring persecution. And so those are Paul's key factors of why he's going back to these churches. But his ultimate goal is to get to Jerusalem, to encourage the believers there, to help them financially with this support from other churches that are in Gentile territory. And then Paul is getting ready to head to Rome. I remember if we said that last week, that that's his ultimate mission. And that's what we're going to see, this trajectory in the book of Acts remaining chapters that we're going to cover is Paul looking forward to getting to Rome to share the gospel in that major metropolitan capital city. So as we dive into the text, I want you to keep the word encouragement at the forefront of your mind and take notice that each city that Paul goes into, there is a desire on Paul's part to encourage the believers. And then as we dive in a little bit deeper in some verses this morning, we're going to see that that encouragement takes place in the context of the local body gathering together as believers, the church gathering together. And so I've entitled this message, Encouragement in Community. And here's the main idea that's going to frame our time together this morning, and that is we should never underestimate the encouragement that comes from gathering together as a body of believers. We should never underestimate the encouragement that comes from gathering together as a body of believers. Let's dive in and read the text this morning, beginning in Acts chapter 20, verse 1. This is what Luke records. After the uproar ceased, Paul was sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. And when he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. 
These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from a third story and was taken up dead. But when Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive, and were not a little comforted. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Azos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Azos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came to the following day opposite Chios. The next day we touched at Samos, and the day after that we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia. For he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. A lot going on in the text this morning, a lot of travel taking place, a lot of cities mentioned, a lot of people that were accompanying Paul on this journey as he is going back and visiting some of the locations where he has previously ministered as he's trying to raise funds for the church in Jerusalem and then ultimately to head down to Jerusalem. But we see that he spends a bit of time, about three months, in Macedonia. And what we're going to dive into this morning is this church service that we witness beginning in verse 7 of Acts chapter 20. So we've seen, working through the first six verses, that Paul is traveling, and every city that he goes into, he's meeting with the group of believers there, with the churches, and the text says he's encouraging them. I don't know about you, but one of the greatest things that we can do as believers, one of the greatest things I feel like I can do as a pastor is to be a source of encouragement, to encourage other people. Listen, there is plenty of bad news in the world. There's plenty of bad news if you turn on the TV. There's plenty of bad news if you log into social media. There's plenty of bad news out there, but for us as believers, what we know is that there is good news, that of all the bad news that's going on, we've got the greatest news. That's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and not only that, we know how this whole story, the story of humanity, ultimately ends with Jesus Christ on the throne. We know that that's where history is heading, and so we can be encouraged as a result of that. So we see 
that Paul, as he's traveling to these cities, is encouraging these believers. And so that's kind of the snapshot of what's going on. But we get to dive in, beginning in verse 7, and actually see what's taking place in one of these cities among this church that's gathered, this group of believers. And as we look at this, I want you to take notice of what encourages these believers. We know that that's Paul's primary mission as he's going into these cities to encourage the believers and to encourage them to give generously to support those who are in the church in Jerusalem who are being persecuted. Many of them have lost uh, finances. They've lost position. They've lost authority. They've lost jobs. They are being persecuted. And so as Paul is going into these cities and meeting with these churches, meeting with these groups of believers, he is going primarily to encourage them. Well, how does he go about doing that? Well, let's look beginning in verse 7 and take notice that on the first day of the week, now this is the first time for us that we see Paul actually giving us a glimpse of what's going on in the churches when they gather on Sunday. So now you need to take note of that. The first day of the week would have been Sunday. The last day of the week would have been Saturday. That was called the Sabbath, and that was generally when the Jewish people had gathered together to worship. But Jesus Christ rose on Sunday, on the first day of the week, and so that is when the church gathers. That's the reason why you and I gather as the church together on Sundays, the first day of the week, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we see that on display here in the life of the early church, gathering together on Sunday to worship the Lord. And I want you to notice that when they gathered together to break bread, Paul was talking with them. Now that means that Paul was communicating the truth of God's word to them. Paul was preaching. And it's funny about this because what we're going to see is that Paul is preaching, not just a little bit, but Paul is getting ready to leave this group of believers. And so he takes advantage of this opportunity to preach a long, long time. So long, in fact, that we're going to see in just a little bit, a guy falls asleep and actually falls out of the window and dies. So Paul is gathered with these believers. It's on the first day of the week, which would have been a day that they were working. And so they actually gathered at night. They gathered as a group of believers. And Paul, the cornerstone of them gathering together is Paul sharing with them the truth of God's word. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to notice first that they, these believers, were encouraged by God's word. Remember this, that at every single point in which Paul is communicating, he is always communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ, always pointing people to God's word. And I want you to know this, God's word brings encouragement to these believers. They are encouraged. They're encouraged so much that they are willing to sit and listen to hours and hours of teaching. Now just think about that for just a little bit. We spend on average on Sunday mornings, uh, pre-COVID, maybe 35 to 40 minutes, depends on how long when did I get. And now in this COVID environment, it's usually like 15 minute segments to on a Sunday morning. So 30 minutes or 35 to 40 minutes, think about you listening to me for hours. 
you're like, uh, probably not going to happen. I'm probably going to be like the guy who fell asleep here. And that may be the case, but they are so hungry for God's word. They are so desiring to hear and be encouraged by the word of God that they are willing to sit and to listen to Paul as he is teaching God's word to them. So they gathered together and Paul talked with them. And he intended, the text says, to depart on the next day. So he prolonged his speech until midnight. So they had gathered together, and Paul is communicating God's word to them, and it's approaching midnight. It says there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. That is Luke, firsthand account, having been there. And a young man named Eutychus was sitting at the window. He sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. So Paul had gone to midnight, and then Paul kept going. There was no stop in Paul. You weren't going to stop the train after it began moving down the tracks as Paul was teaching and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, encouraging these believers with God's word. He just kept going on and on and on. And what happens is this guy falls asleep. And the problem is he's on the third story level of the home that they were gathered in. And the text says he fell into a deep sleep and he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Now, just think about that for just a second. I've been in some services before where I, as a pastor, look out and take notice that sometimes people are falling asleep. Sometimes there's medical conditions involved. Sometimes, though, somebody just needs a quick elbow and wake them up a little bit. But these believers gathered together were so engrossed in the teaching that this guy is able to fall asleep and actually fall out the window and die. But I want you to notice the second truth that we see. These believers were encouraged by God's power. So notice what Paul does here. Paul went down, verse 10 says, and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. Paul in this instant is preaching the good news. He's preaching the gospel. He's encouraging these believers. He's teaching them God's word. He's going on and on and on, and this guy falls out the window. Now, I don't know. There's moments when I've seen that people fall asleep in the service, and and, and you kind of want to just maybe slap the pulpit really loud one time, just kind of wake them up and startle them. But what happens is Paul leaves, goes outside, cradles this guy in his arms, and says to all those who are gathered around, this guy's not dead. Third story fall, they knew that he had died, and Paul said, no, no, he's not dead. And Paul, in the power of the Lord, raises this man up who has fallen from a third story window and taken up dead. Notice that these believers, as we're going to find out in just a little bit, were greatly encouraged, not only by God's word that was being proclaimed to them, but also by seeing God's power on display. I want you to notice that as they continue on, it says in verse 11, when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and had eaten. Now, this is so 
clearly a picture of Paul and that group of believers breaking bread together, meaning that they were celebrating communion together. So not only were these believers encouraged by God's word, they were encouraged by God's power, but here's the third truth. They were encouraged by the Lord's table. They were encouraged as they celebrated the death of Jesus Christ on their behalf. And so Paul, with this group of believers, after preaching to them, after teaching them God's word, after healing this man, bringing him back from the dead after he had fallen out of the third story window, breaks bread with them, celebrates with them the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for them, the blood that was shed for them to cleanse them of their sins. And these believers were able to be encouraged not only by God's word and not only by God's power, but also by celebrating the Lord's table together, what Jesus Christ's death and resurrection meant for them. And then I want you to notice lastly that they also were encouraged by godly fellowship together. So they broke bread together. They had eaten, and it says that Paul conversed with them a long while until daybreak, meaning until the sun rose, Paul enjoyed fellowship with these believers, encouraging one another, challenging one another, praying with one another, encouraging one another with words, and and spending time together as fellow believers on the same mission. As Paul is getting ready to go, they were able to enjoy godly fellowship together. And it says that they were greatly encouraged. They were not a little comforted. Meaning that this time of worshiping together as a body of believers on Sunday, of hearing God's word being proclaimed, of seeing God's power being demonstrated, of being able to gather around the same table and celebrate what Christ had done for them, and then being able to fellowship one with another. These believers were greatly encouraged as they worshiped together. I want us to take a few moments and worship by singing right now. And and I want you to reflect on gathering together as a body of believers. How much encouragement these believers experienced in that. And then think about how much encouragement that brings to you as well. Let's sing together. As we dive back into the text, I want us to think about some points of application in our own lives. As we think about this church service that we just read about, that we just witnessed the encouragement that was brought to these believers as they were encouraged by God's word and by God's power and by the Lord's table and by godly fellowship. I want us to think about that in relation to our own lives, to think about that in relation to our own church as we gather right now, gather digitally because we can't gather in person, but but thinking back when we were able to gather in person, and then looking forward to when we will be able to gather in person in our new facility here in just a few more weeks. I want us to think about how much encouragement comes as a result of gathering together as a body of believers. 
You know, this season that we've just walked through, 13 weeks beginning in the middle of March where we were not able to gather except for digitally, and then being able to gather again physically in person for 10 weeks, and now back online gathering once again. I don't know if you have experienced this, but I have experienced this to the nth degree, just this longing to gather back together again longing to gather together as the body of Christ once again. Listen, these last number of months, the last six months, have not been normal in the life of our church. And for me, I've seen and inexperienced just a bit of a disconnect of encouragement in my own life about gathering together as believers. You know, I interact with people all the time who make comments like, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And here's the thing that I, that I think they miss in that conversation is the fact that every time we see the body of Christ gathered together, whether it's in the book of Acts, whether it's in the letters that Paul writes to these churches, when we see the body of Christ gathered together, when we see the church gathered together, it is such a powerful time of encouragement in every believer's life who's gathered. There is nothing that can replicate gathering together as believers. I'm thankful that we have technology in place that allows us to, to gather as best we can digitally, but I want you to hear me. That doesn't replace gathering together as a faith family. I am absolutely confident, never been more confident, that online church is not the answer to all the problems that are in the world. The answer is gathering together as believers, gathering face-to-face, -face, being able to see one another, being able to encourage one another, to sing together, to hear God's word together, to pray together, to see God's power at work, to be able to celebrate around the Lord's table together, and then just to be able to fellowship with one another, to hug and to shake hands and to pat one another on the back. I mean, I am longing and looking forward to that time when we get to do that once again. So I want us to think, as we've walked through the book of Acts, as we've looked here in these verses, this church service that we see, I, I want us to think about what it was like gathering together and then what it will be like gathering together. And that in this interim time when we're only able to gather together digitally, and maybe, and I hope you are, able to gather with some other believers, whether those are members of your life group or members of your family or, or whatever that may be, friends that you are just able to gather with, I want you to think about and to look forward to and to long for the time when we can gather together back physically as the church here at North River. So one of the things that I think in terms of application as we look at this text, we see that these believers were encouraged by God's word. And I want us to know that we should also be encouraged by God's word proclaimed when we gather together. There is nothing greater that we can do in singing, in preaching, in praying, than for God's word to be the centerpiece of everything that we do. There is incredible encouragement that comes from God's word. 
Church family, you know my heart on this, that for me, God's Word is everything in relation to our interaction together on Sunday morning. I can promise you, you will not come in on a Sunday and not hear God's Word. You are not going to come in to North River Church. Whether you're gathering with us online or you're gathering with us in person, there's not going to be a centerpiece other than God's Word. I am going to proclaim God's Word. We're going to sing God's Word. We're going to pray God's Word. And we're going to do that because I am confident that encouragement comes from God's Word. As we study God's Word together, we're reminded of the grand story of redemption, of what God has been doing in the world and what God is doing in the world and what God wants to do. There is no greater source of encouragement. I can't tell you a funny enough joke. I can't give you enough self-help lessons that will replace the encouragement that comes from spending time in God's Word as we gather together as the body of Christ. And so for you and for me, we ought to be encouraged as we hear God's Word. Yes, absolutely. There's moments where we're going to be convicted, and there's moments where we're going to be challenged, and there's moments when we're going to be corrected, but those should bring encouragement to us. We know that the Holy Spirit of God has promised to work in our lives through His Word. And so for us, we should be encouraged by God's word as it's proclaimed when we gather together. But not only that, we should be encouraged by God's power at work when we gather together. Never lose sight of the reality that when we gather together, God's promise is that where two or three are gathered in his name, he is with them. The Holy Spirit of God is with us as we gather together as a body of Christ. And so as you're watching this or listening to this, as you are gathering with other believers to watch this service or to listen to this service, I want you to know that God's Spirit is there and at work in your life and their lives. And I can't wait for the day when we are able to gather back together in a new facility as the body of Christ and able to see and to sense God's power at work in people's lives. As people are convicted of sin, as people are brought to faith in Christ for the first time, as people walk in obedience to the Lord, as people are experiencing what it means to have a right relationship with God. The great news for us as a church gathered together is we get to see that. We get to see kids for the first time trusting Jesus as their Savior. We get to see adults for the first time taking that step of obedience in baptism and publicly declaring what Christ has done in their life. We get to see when God works in powerful ways to heal broken marriages and when we get to see the opportunity for God to do incredible, miraculous things, things that are far beyond anything that we could manufacture or accomplish. Church family, we've seen God do that in the past. We've seen God do that during this season and I'm confident we're going to see God do that in the future. One of my prayers is that God would so work in our church family in a powerful way that we look back and say there's no way we could have accomplished that in our own strength and in our own power. The only one who could do that was God himself. We should be encouraged by God's power 
at work. Just like these early believers were encouraged as this man fell out of the third story window and Paul was able to go down and to bring him back to life through the power of God at work. Not only that, we should be encouraged by celebrating the Lord's table together. One of the things that I have missed over the last six months, it's been at least six months since we've had the opportunity to gather around the Lord's table together, to celebrate communion together as an entire church family. And you say, Michael, maybe that's not that big of a deal. No, it's a, it's a big deal. For us to pause in the midst of our time together, to focus our time and our attention on Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. That is a public declaration of what Christ has done. When we celebrate communion together, we're reminded, Jesus tells us that every time we do it, we do it in remembrance of him, his body broken for us, his blood that was shed for us. We have the opportunity as we gather around the Lord's table to be encouraged that when we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us and made it possible for us to have a right relationship with him. And maybe you're watching this and You've never experienced that personally in your own life. You've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You have an opportunity to do that right now, to recognize that his death on the cross, his body broken, his blood shed makes it possible for you to be forgiven of your sins and to be made right with your heavenly Father. You know, church, as we gather together and celebrate the Lord's table, to celebrate communion, that should encourage us in the same way that it encouraged these early believers. And then lastly, we should be encouraged by our time together in fellowship. One of the things that I'm so excited about and so thrilled that we're going to be able to experience is fellowship together once again as a body of believers. And you just think about this, as we move into a new facility, oftentimes at the end of our service previously, we were busy setting up or tearing down things that needed to be fixed at the school. But now we've got an opportunity to fellowship together, to talk with one another, to encourage one another, to spend time in the lobby of our new facility just hanging out. I had a friend one time that said he had the spiritual gift of hanging out. And I want us to have the spiritual gift of hanging out, just to spend time together. If you drive by our facility, you know that we've got a pavilion that's going up. And I'm praying and asking the Lord that that be a phenomenal place for people to gather together and just fellowship with one another, encourage one another, walk together in life with one another. Our life groups that are going to be launching next week is a great opportunity for us as believers to fellowship together, to encourage one another. And here's the thing. We see that on display in Acts chapter 20 in the life of this first church service. Now think about that. It went all night long from the time they got off of work and gathered together past midnight until the sun began coming up. They were fellowshipping together, enjoying one another's company, spending time together. And for us as believers, 
That's a great source of encouragement in our lives. So church family, I want you to know, I am looking forward to and longing for the day when we can experience mutual encouragement as we gather together as the body of Christ, as we hear God's word as it's proclaimed, as we are able to see God's power at work in people's lives, transforming them and bringing healing and encouragement to them, as we're able to celebrate once again around the Lord's table what Christ has done in his death for us. And then lastly, as we get to celebrate fellowship, community together again. I look forward to that day. And I want to encourage you, don't underestimate how much encouragement gathering together as the body of Christ can bring in your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this glimpse in the early church of the great encouragement that came as they were gathered together. Father, may you do that at North River Church. Encourage the believers here as we gather together digitally right now, but soon, very, very soon, as we gather together in person. Would you encourage us? Would you help us to love your word, to seek, to see your power at work in people's lives, to celebrate what Christ's death means for us, and then to experience godly fellowship together. Encourage us with that. Give us a longing for that day to come. And then when that day comes, help us to make it a priority. And we don't want to miss the encouragement that will come as we gather together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you as we close out our service through singing this morning, you respond to the Lord.